Today's reading is taken from Deuteronomy 27, verse 9 to 28, verse 2. And then we'll have a second one from Galatians, but I'll let you know when that happens. Curses from Mount Ebal. Then Moses and the Levitical priests said to all Israel, Be silent, Israel, and listen. You have now become the people of the Lord your God. Obey the Lord your God and follow his commands and decrees that I give you today. On the same day, Moses commanded the people, When you have crossed the Jordan, these tribes shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. And these tribes shall stand on Mount Ebal to pronounce curses, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. The Levites shall recite to all the people of Israel in a loud voice, Cursed is anyone who makes an idol, a thing detestable to the Lord, the work of skilled hands, and sets it up in secret. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who dishonors their father or mother, then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who moves their neighbor's boundary stone, then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who leads the blind astray on the road, then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who withholds justice from the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow, then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who sleeps with his father's wife, for he dishonors his father's bed, then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who has sexual relations with an animal, then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who sleeps with his sister, the daughter of his father, or the daughter of his mother, then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who sleeps with his mother-in-law, then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who kills their neighbor secretly, then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who accepts a bribe to kill an innocent person, then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who does not uphold the words of this law by carrying them out, then all the people shall say, Amen. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands that I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above the nations on earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. The second reading is taken from Galatians 3, verses 10 to 14. <coughs> For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God, because the righteous will live by faith. If the law is not based on faith, uh, sorry, if the law is the law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, "Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole." He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Thanks be to God. 
Well, if you can have your Bibles open um, in the uh, reading that we had from the book of Deuteronomy mainly, I think you'll find that helpful. Now, can I just ask you, uh, do you by any chance remember the opening ceremony of the 2012 Olympic Games in London? A few nods. Um, Devised by the the film producer, Danny Boyle, Um, it was an immense piece of theatre that showcased the history and the culture of Great Britain. Uh, You will have had your own favourite moment, perhaps, um, like me. Um, I I love the Industrial Revolution section, uh, the NHS hospital bed dance, and uh, because my dad used to drive one, the London black taxi cabs. Um, I thought it captured not only the history of our nation, but also something of our national character. Well, chapter 27 of Deuteronomy recalls another enormous theatrical event, which for different reasons was devised by Moses, Israel's leader, and eventually staged by Joshua, his assistant, after his death, to tell the story of the nation of Israel. Now, this event wasn't so much looking back on what had been their history, but looking forward to what it should have been. Staged between two mountains, if you can try and imagine the scene, it was a piece of theatre involving the whole nation. Because six of the twelve tribes had to arrange themselves on each of the mountains, facing each other. In the middle was the Ark of the Covenant, the law of God. The tribes of Simeon, Levi, Issachar, Judah, Joseph and Benjamin congregated on Mount Gerizim. The tribes of Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan and Naphtali on Mount Ebal. Tens of thousands of people raised their voices in unison to chant blessings from Mount Gerizim and curses from Mount Ebal. If you were a son or a daughter of Israel, you were either facing the blessings of God or facing the curses or the judgment of God, quite literally, on that day. It was an unprecedented, enormous piece of theatre on a national scale designed to impress upon them all how the nation must live if they were to remain the covenant people of God. 
and this huge drama laid out before the nation, two stark choices. To obey God's word and enjoy the blessings of life in God's land, or to disobey and face a living hell in the land he was to give them. Ultimately, forfeiting the land itself and being sent into exile. It was a stark choice, reflected in those two words, blessing and curse. Now this morning, um, I want to use that huge drama to try and understand together the meaning of a small verse in Paul's letter to the Galatians that we also had read for us earlier, where he says, Christ Jesus redeems us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. It follows another statement he makes, where he tells us that all who rely on keeping the law to be justified by God are actually under a curse. Because it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Those words that Paul uses there come from chapter 27 of Deuteronomy. Because Paul is looking back to that extraordinary theatrical production with its mountainous backdrop as he quotes from the words of Moses that were read out to the nation there by his successor Joshua when they finally entered the promised land after Moses died. Now the Galatian Christians that Paul was writing to needed to understand that message. The message of that 1,500-year-old drama with a cast of thousands before they could enjoy the blessings of God. You see, they had allowed themselves to be fooled into believing that these blessings of God could be earned by observing the law of Moses, by keeping the commandments of God. And um, that's still a common misconception today, isn't it? People think that the way to get God to bless them is through doing something good that deserves something good from God in return. But Paul knew that if people lived like that, then far from enjoying the blessings of God, they and their children would suffer the curse or the judgment of God. Curse instead of blessing. Now let's just try and understand why that is. First point that I want to um, share with you this morning is that God's blessing is life and his curse is death. Now, I don't know whether... It's already up there. Well done. God's blessing is life. His curse is death. Now, although there are many blessings, aren't there, that uh, God gives to the people he has created, they are all of them wrapped up in 
and dependent upon his chief blessing, which is simply life itself. Life is God's chief blessing to us. And consequently, when we are cursed, the opposite of blessing, we lose that most important of all God's blessings, and we ultimately die. Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, rebelled against God, spurning his blessings and brought the curse of God upon the whole world. They didn't die immediately, but lived many hundreds of years so that they would have an opportunity to repent of their rebellion and come back to God in faith. But they did die because of the curse, as did their offspring, as will we. The whole of humankind is under God's curse, and the proof of that is death. We were never meant to die. Which is why at the centre of that garden in which God placed Adam and Eve, there was a unique tree called the tree of life, which would give them life for as long as they ate of it. Eternal life. When God cursed the earth because of them, he barred the way to that tree so that they would eventually die like the animals around them. But thankfully God didn't leave his creation just to wind down and die. He made a promise to a man named Abraham and to his descendants. And the promise was to bless them instead of cursing them. As a sign of God's blessing, he would live among them in a land that he would give to them. A wonderful land full of life and fruitfulness. But that promise came in the form of a covenant or agreement. And the details of God's covenant of promise were given to Moses and Israel in the form of laws or commands as they were entering the promised land of blessing. And that piece of theatre that we were just thinking about took place at the very moment that they entered the land to remind them to keep God's covenant of promise. Well, we know, don't we, something about covenants of promise, even today. So I think we can understand what this covenant of promise between God and Israel required. For instance, some of you will be able to identify with this. A bank or a mortgage lender makes a promise that they will continue to lend us money to buy a property if we agree to keep up our repayments on that mortgage. Another example is a husband and wife who covenant together and make promises to each other to love and honour each other faithfully. But it is conditional on each 
spouse, each side, keeping their side of the covenant, their promise. Most of us are familiar with these covenants of promise, aren't we? And the first thing to notice about them is this. Covenant faithfulness leads to blessing. Covenant faithfulness leads to blessing, which is the second point. That's what Paul meant in verse 12 of Galatians 3 when he quoted Moses saying, the man who does these things will live by them. We might say that that's the positive side of the coin. Okay? Heads up, we might say. The reward for keeping faith with the covenant is the enjoyment of its promised blessings. Now, 32 years ago, when Tina and I were married, uh, some of you were there, we both made promises. In fact, one of you actually read out the vows to us. We both made promises. But we also believed the promises that the other made. We continue to believe them. So that even today, I remain faithful to Tina, believing that she will remain faithful to me. Likewise, she remains faithful to me, believing that I will remain faithful to her. That's how marriage promises work. That's why the vows we make to each other are so important. Similar with our mortgage. We believe the promise that the bank would lend us the money to buy our house and deduct our monthly repayment from the total owing so that after 20 years or so, the house would become our property. Because we believed the promise, we have kept up our side of the covenant. If we hadn't believed that the bank would deduct our payments from the loan and eventually hand us the title deeds of the property, we would never have carried on, paying each month. But because we believe the promise, we continue paying. Do you see how these covenants work? A covenant of promise is based on believing the promise our covenant partner made and keeping our side of it because of that. Because we believe and we keep our side of the covenant, it leads to us enjoying the blessings of that covenant. Covenant faithfulness leads to blessing. But if that's one side of the coin, there is another. And this is my third point this morning. Covenant unfaithfulness leads to cursing. Paul quotes the Galatian Christians from Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 26. The words of Moses that Joshua would eventually read aloud to Israel between the mountains. Moses said, Cursed is the man who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Now, I suppose that knowing what we know about covenants of promise, we will all say, yes, that's right, isn't it? That, that's right. Are we all in agreement with that? 
If one party breaks the covenant, they should not expect to receive the promised blessings of that covenant. That's right, isn't it? So if I remain faithful to Tina for 364 days a year, but was unfaithful for one day only, Tina wouldn't say, oh well, he was pretty faithful, wasn't he? She wouldn't do that, would she? I wouldn't expect her to. No, she'd be within her rights to deny me the promised blessings of our marriage. That's right, isn't it? Likewise, if we continued repaying our mortgage for 19 years and 11 months, but didn't repay the last month owing, the bank would say, well, you can't have the title deeds to your house. You see, it's, it's no use just keeping some or even most of the promise or the covenant. You have to keep it all. So that's what Paul means when he says that cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. That's the other side of the coin. Covenant unfaithfulness leads to cursing. It's heads you win, but tails you lose. If you do the things required, you live. But if you don't, you die. Blessing or cursing. <coughs> if you haven't worked it out yet, however, we have a huge problem here, don't we? A huge problem. An insurmountable problem, in fact. It struck me again when I was reading through that list of curses that Moses wanted half of Israel to, to shout across the valley at their fellow Israelites. They're a strange collection of curses, aren't they? But I, find, I found I had three problems with them. There were three curses there that were a problem for me. Uh, let me just explain which ones for clarification and, uh, and then see why you and I are both cursed. We are all cursed, you see. My fourth point. Firstly, the curse which starts off the list, verse 15, says that anyone who makes an idol and worships it is cursed. Now, I've never made a statue and bowed down to it. But I have worshipped things that are not the true and living God. There are things that I have put in the place of God, and I've looked to them as if they were the most important things in my life, and that is idolatry. It means I haven't been a faithful covenant partner. I've broken God's covenant and I'm guessing you have too. I know you have. Secondly, I have a confession to make about another of the curses here. I know that's worrying because we've read through them and some of them are pretty revolting. To most people, even in our sexually permissive society. But the curse I have a problem with is found in verse 18. Please look at that. Here we're told that if a person plays a prank on a blind man and leads him across the road in a wrong direction and leaves him there to stumble around, it isn't actually funny. That person is cursed. 
But the thing is, when I first read it, I saw something funny in it, and maybe you did too. The idea of taking a blind person and leading them somewhere different to where they think they are for a joke seemed amusing to me momentarily. Uh, you've, I've gone down in your estimation now, haven't I? And now I'm ashamed to say it. I think what Moses wrote about here was only a prank, but it turns out to be a sin, and the prankster is cursed as a result. Now you may turn to me and say reassuringly, oh, you don't need to worry so much, Graham, because you haven't actually done it, you see. You soon realise that it would be wrong to do such a cruel thing, even if for a moment you found the idea funny. Well, thanks, if you want to say that, they're very kind. Um, but as I was thinking about this curse, I was reminded of something I actually did a long time ago. Uh, to my shame, when I was a boy, my friends and I used to regularly taunt and harass a man with learning disabilities who lived a few streets away from us in Chessington, just down the road. Whenever we saw him walking down the road, we would follow him and mock him. And when he started walking faster to get away from us, we would run after him. I can still recall the look of terror on his face. He wasn't a blind man, but I think the principle is the same, isn't it? We were cruel and uncaring towards someone who really deserved our compassion. We were only having a bit of fun, trying to look big and clever in front of each other, and you might say, I was too young to know any better. But I did know better. And I'm cursed because of it. There you have it. Perhaps you've looked down that short list of curses. You haven't been particularly struck by any of them as I was. You all look much nicer people than I am. So let me just point out the third one I have a problem with. It's the last one, verse 26, that Paul quotes to the Galatians. Moses says that the person who does not uphold the words of the law of God is cursed. Well, perhaps you think you've done that by living a basically good life. You've never been unkind to the less fortunate, and so on. But here's the thing, you need to read on into chapter 28, where Moses spells it out, what he means. He says to Israel, that if they fully obey, and carefully follow all God's commands, then they will be blessed. That's why Paul quotes Moses as saying, anyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law is cursed. You have not kept God's law perfectly, and you, like me, are cursed. We've all tossed the coin of law-keeping covenant faithfulness and it's come up tails in every case.
tails, 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 tails. Cursed, 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 cursed. This is terrible news. And we might be wishing there was another coin. One that could only ever come up heads. Well, the good news is that there is. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And this other coin has the inscription, the righteous will live by faith. And Paul speaks about it there in Galatians 3 in verse 11. The righteous will live by faith. But is this just saying what we've already said about faith in terms of keeping the covenant promises? Does it mean that we need to believe the promises of God to bless us and keep our side of the covenant in response? Like a faithful husband believes his wife's promise to love and honour him and so remains faithful in response to her faithfulness. Well, if it does, then we've just found out that we haven't really believed that covenant promise and we haven't kept our side of the covenant. If that's what Paul means, then we're still cursed, aren't we? Do you see that? But here's the thing. That's not what it means at all. And we find out what it does mean in verses 13 and 14 of Galatians 3. And this is the whole point of this morning's message. Christ Jesus became a curse for us. Now while it is true that we are called, along with Abraham, to believe God's promise of blessing, there is something else that we must put our faith in, or rather someone else. Paul says that Christ Jesus redeems us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Now let's just try and understand that for a moment now in terms of that huge theatrical event that we visited right at the beginning, acted out by Israel as they entered the Promised Land. Uh, Paul, I think, wants us to imagine that instead of Israel standing on the side of Mount Gerizim that the curses were directed at, that Jesus stood alone there instead. So try and picture that, will you? Jesus standing alone on that side of the hill. He stood alone on the mountain where the curses of God were directed. Actually, he wasn't standing at all, because Paul is actually talking about the cross, of course. Jesus was nailed to a cross to die and suffer the curse of God. Paul says that when a person was executed by hanging on a pole or a tree, that person was considered cursed by God. And that was how Jesus was killed. Killed by men, but cursed by God. 
Jesus became the curse for us on the cross so that we would not have to face it. As the curses were shouted across the void, Jesus faced them, not us. On the cross, Jesus exhausted the curse of God against us. He became the curse. He put himself in the place where the curse was poured out. And the reason that we know that the curse of God was exhausted there is that on the third day he rose from the dead. Death, which is the ultimate power of the curse, could not hold him. Because although he took upon himself the sins of his people, he himself was entirely innocent, completely sinless. Do you know that without trusting that Christ Jesus became a curse for you, you are cursed. It doesn't matter what other things you try to do to make amends for your sins, you are cursed. What you need is for someone to exhaust God's curse against your sin, to stand in your place, to bear God's wrath, to die for you, and to shout from the other side of the mountain. To shout from the other side of the grave the blessings of God to you. don't know whether you noticed that, about the piece of theatre between the mountains. The tribes who received the curses were the tribes who shouted back the blessings. Did you see that? Isn't that amazing? What a wonderful picture. Jesus is the one who took upon himself the whole curse against God's people. And he's the one who shouts back God's blessings upon us. He sends God's Holy Spirit to live in us, to give us eternal life, to make us holy and testify that we are forgiven. To tell us that we will live forever with him. The curse is no more and the blessings of God can be received by faith in Christ Jesus who was made a curse for us. All we have to do is believe. Nothing more. Just personally trust that Jesus took your place and my place on that side of the mountain where the curse of God against our sins, all of them, was directed. If you believe that Jesus did that for you, then you're among God's people on the other mountain, the mountain of blessing. Only through faith in Christ alone can that happen. And can I just urge you this morning to do that if you have not yet put your faith in Jesus as the one who has taken upon himself the curse of God against your sin that you will otherwise face 
if you want to talk with me or talk with one of the church leaders afterwards, please make the time for that. So important that we are those on that mountain of blessing, receiving the eternal life that Jesus Christ won for us. Amen.